This is the very latest uh, Bolt from the Blue uh, podcast. And uh, the score that I've got right now is uh, Manchester City 5, Norwich City 0. Now, we will talk a little bit about the game before that. That's going to be something we'll talk about at the end. But here we have uh, the statistics. We have an own goal by Tim Krul on seven minutes. We have a goal by Jack Grealish. I don't know, a lot of people were saying we don't know how much he knew about it uh, on the 22nd minute. We've got Laporte uh, on uh, 64, who I am begging uh, Pep not to sell. Uh, we've got Sterling on 71. We've got Mares, uh Ray's favourite player, on 84. <laughs> now, let's just um, uh, take a look at the first uh, half and uh, go to Colin first and say, okay, Colin, um, so, the, you know, the day before or the couple of day, the days before, all of the other teams had put down their markers, you know, they uh, won 3-0 or 5-0 or whatever the hell that they'd done, and City were uh, uh, in this position. Um, how did you feel about it? Well, um, you know, if you... For an opening game, you'd want a team like Norwich. Now, now there's always this thing, isn't there? That you're, you know, you're worried about the promoted teams who come up, uh, and in the first few games, they're all fired up, full of adrenaline, until you know the pitches get a bit heavier uh, and they, the the running goes out of the legs, and and the reality of the situation hits them. But but Norwich have always been for us anyway a soft touch. I mean, back in the late sixties, early seventies. We regularly stuck four or five past them, uh, and, and they've never really given us a problem. If you remember, um, on the way to our first Premier League, 2012, Carlos Tevez return from his um, golfing holiday in Argentina. I think we put six past them, didn't we? Was, that, was uh, it seven? Uh, seven. Six, I can't pop, remember. Pop quiz, um, pop quiz to Colin Savage. On the way to the 81 Cup final, what was our score against Norwich? What? <laughs> Do you remember that? That Which was cup? that was that was when I when I first started supporting the city. Really, cup final against Norwich? No, not the cup final. On oh. the, on, on the way to the cup final, or oh, I, I think it was the uh, uh, quarter final, perhaps. Oh, did we put about six past them then? Yeah, I can't yeah that's, that's right. With the yeah. the power goal. Yeah. So, so, so Norwich have always been one of those teams that have never presented us with a great deal of uh, a problem in overcoming. Uh, and, of course, it's not the same players who turn up year on year, but it's just that, I don't know, we seem to like playing Norwich. So, yeah, <laughs> I mean, considering, thinking back to last week when we lost at Spurs rather tamely, although I think we should have, you know, we, we should have, could have done better than we did. Um, it, you know, it, it was good to have a team like Norwich who really presented no threat whatsoever. So, yeah. I mean, I was glad it was Norwich rather than, say, Chelsea. Um, but there's always, a, like Arsenal found at Brentford, there's always a danger when you play the promoted teams early. Mm-hmm. Ray, what did you think of that first half? First half, Nor- Norwich. I-, I will just say Norwich did beat us two years ago after they got promotion, but that was at their place, at Carrow Road, by three goals to two in that season that Liverpool won the league. Um, but apart from that, Norwich were Norwich. Norwich were... You know, it was like um, um, if, if in cricket we'd say a poor bowler is is is, is doing buffet bowling. It's help yourself, and that's what it was against Norwich. It was help yourself. Norwich was so poor you wouldn't, you couldn't believe it. You know, had they learned nothing on their return to the Premier League, 
What did you think of the Tim Krul um, own goal? Oh, look, that was unlucky on him. But you know, but Norwich were too. I mean, they they couldn't deal with our press. They didn't press us. They didn't have any pace on the break. They they couldn't string too many passes together because we were putting pressure on them, uh, and and they didn't have enough men up um, uh, in forward positions. I really don't know what what they expected to get from this game because they couldn't defend. And we saw time and time again, Gabriel Jesus was free on the right-hand side. That's where he was playing, on the right wing. And, um, you know, he put some really testing crosses in. He got two official assists. He had, he had the cross for the Tim Krul on goal. He had a couple of other good crosses as well. Um, and he could have had a goal from that side as well. He should have had a better shot in the second half. But... You know, uh, Norwich were awful, and you know the, the goal was after six minutes. It was uh, put down. I think, I think if I'm right, inside the defender, and um, Gabriel Jesus came uh, onto it. He put the cross in, uh, hit uh, a defender, and it came out. Hit Cruel, Tim Cruel, and bounced in. It was unfortunate for Cruel because obviously he didn't know anything about it. Um, but it was a driven, it was kind of a driven cross come shot by Gabby. Wait, are, are you in danger of becoming um, a uh, Gabriel Jesus uh, fan from the right hand side? Well, no, I've always said I don't like him down the middle, I don't think he's good enough to be, be that man down the middle. Um, you know, he flatters to deceive at times, he, he'll score some uh, uh, couple of good goals, he'll play a couple of good games, and then he'll have some stinkers. So I, I've always um, advocated that he plays down the, the left wing um, because I think he just plays better there. His his effort is rewarded. Um, he puts a you know a lot of running in, a lot of pressing, a lot of pressure, some uh, clever uh, play. Um, it was odd to see him on the right, but then I, I guess there was nowhere else Grealish could play except the left. So Grealish is on the left. Sterling is dropped to the bench quite rightly. Mares I think he deserved to be dropped um, after two poor performances. And uh, Gabby's on the right. So, look, I'll be honest. I think whoever we played on the right, whether we played uh, Mares there, Bernardo, whoever would have had a field there because Norwich were that poor. All right. So let's uh, go to uh, uh, Colin and talk about the, the moment that all of the newspapers are talking about. We're not really talking about it that much. But... Uh, it was our 100 million man Grealish who gets a goal on the 22nd minute. Um, how much did he know about that? Well, it was um, very much out the Martin de Michaelis uh, playbook, wasn't it? <laughs> oh, really? Uh, you remember that goal he scored, de Michaelis scored against? Um, was it Burnley? I can't remember. I think Martin de Michaelis knew more about his goal than Grealish. Oh, Grealish, yes. Nigel de Jong, maybe something like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a great cross from Gabriel J. And a, a great, um, I, I think, uh, Ilkay Gundogan played in a great ball inside the uh, fullback. And uh, it was um, Max Aarons, wasn't it, the, the, the Norwich fullback? Uh, and you felt sorry for him because he just didn't have a clue where the hell to stand or what to do. Uh, and Gabriel Jesus played in a superb ball, which um, just happened to bounce off Jack Grealish's left knee or something. Um, but but Grealish wasn't bothered. He was quite pleased. He came running over towards us, and he got a cor- chorus of Super Jack Grealish. So yeah, but it was. Um, I, I, I don't think um, it'll be making goal of the month somehow. So Ray, are are, are you saying that our first uh, two goals uh, we didn't really know that much about? Well, you're saying that, and I think you're right. But I'll re- repeat, Gabby J had some good crosses uh, from the right. He had a um, a, a good cross where. Tri- uh, Tim Krul punched out. That was before we'd even scored. Um, yeah, look, let's be honest. Um, we were lucky with the own goal, lucky with the Grealish goal, but you've got to be in those positions, making those chances. And it's just one of those things, you know, on the day that we didn't need to have that look, we got the look. We could have done with some luck the, the previous week against Spurs. Uh, and, and it's just always the way when you don't need bundles of luck, you get bundles of luck. But, but, I mean, Gabby J could have had a hat-trick of assists yeah. for a, what seemed to be a strange decision by the referee. Uh, and, and that incident where Norwich player won the ball and Bernardo was chasing him. Uh, and the Norwich player twisted away from Bernardo and fell over. Uh, and um, Bernardo, I think, picked up the ball, fed 
through, uh, you know, he gave it to Gabby J, didn't he, again? Yeah. Who fed through Ferran Torres, who took took that chance really, really well. And, and the referee gave it, gave the goal. But VAR, he was asked to go and look at the VAR monitor. And what, the, he, what, what the hell was that ruled out for exactly? It, it was for a foul. It was for a foul by what? Bernardo. Bernardo couldn't see that foul. It was, well, couldn't couldn't see it in real time. There wasn't I watched much it back in it. On the highlight, there wasn't much in it. Um, I think what they said happened. He just clipped his heels or something, and the player banged one leg into the other. Now, I'll be honest. If we hadn't scored, there wouldn't have been a free kick because okay. the referee didn't give one. If we hadn't scored, no one would have, you know, uh, said too much. But the thing is, as soon as he, it happened, the City player stopped. The Norwich player stopped. Everybody kind of knew or believed it was a foul and it would be given. And then it wasn't given and City had the ball. And, um, as Colin said, it, um, Torres was fed. And what I like about Torres is he doesn't hit and hope. He doesn't just blast it on target and say, if it goes in, it goes in. He places it. It's something that some other players could learn from. He actually places it to the side of the keeper. Keeper has no chance. It was a really nice finish. And it's a shame for, uh, for, for Ant Torres because... You know, he was almost invisible last week and he doesn't get too many opportunities. I think, you know, he doesn't get too many clear-cut chances and he got a chance and he stuck it away. And I think that would have done his confidence a world of good if the goal had stood. But, you know, for whatever reason, it, it didn't stand. And it, to be honest, it didn't make that much difference because that was on 14 minutes and Grealish scored in the 22nd. So, you know, we didn't have long to wait for that second goal. Well, Colin Savage, um, Pep Guardiola does say some interesting things i think after games and i i i just want to ask you uh your opinion about this one um he said that uh, this game highlighted a gabriel jesus incredible importance to manchester city after he stole the show from jack grealish in this demolition of norwich what would you think oh gabby J had a fantastic game uh you know and i've always said he's not People judge uh, Gabby J um, in the same way they could try to compare him to Aguero. He's not Aguero. He never will be Aguero. I, I think he's a more complete footballer. I've always said this. You've probably got it on record somewhere. I think he's a more complete footballer than Aguero was, but he's not. Maybe not the natural finisher Aguero was. Aguero because was a phenomenon. Um, but I think. I, I got a shock when I saw him lined up on the right because when you saw the lineup, you assumed it would be Torres and, and Gabby J playing as a two-man, uh, a two-man strike force with um, Gundogan on one side, Greenish on the left, and Bernardo on the right. But actually, we lined up with a front three uh, with, with Gabby J, who almost stuck to the touchline the whole game. But he had a fantastic game, uh, and I say he gave Max Aaron a complete run around, uh, and Max Aaron is probably still dizzy in the changing room. From, from the runaround that Gabriel Jesus, but, but he is he is a more complete footballer than Sergio Aguero was. But say he's not got the predatory instinct that Sergio had. Right here's the quotation from uh, Guardiola. Um, he said, "If one person deserves respect and prizes and everything, it is uh, de de Jesus because he never complains. He's fantastic, and all of us have to learn from him." He can play as a striker, he can play left, he can play right, always what the team needs. He can play 10 minutes from the bench and he will play the best 10 minutes that he can play. Uh, now, um, that's that's quite some high praise. Yeah, it's, it's, it's obvious Harry Kane's not coming because Pep's trying to get Gabriel Jesus back in the fold. It was interesting today. He played Gabriel Jesus. The rumours are he he could have gone. I'm sure you know about that. He played Laporte who rumours are he can go for 60 million. And he played Bernardo. And the rumours are, well, I think it's more than rumours, uh, he wants to leave to go and play in, in a warmer country like Spain. So it's interesting that he played pl three players who potentially, you know, could be often, he played Cancelo as well. So he's another one who I think is looking at his, his future. Well, that, well, that, well, that, that's an interesting thing that you say, Ray, that, um, that uh, Kane is not coming. I'm just kidding. I'm, I'm saying the fact that he played Gabriel Jesus from the start. He needs to get back uh, Gabby back in in the good books. Who knows? You know, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you might um, poke us 
to um, see what we think about Kane later. But it was just, you know, but it was just interesting that Pep played these players um, from the start, players who you thought, you know, some of them might be uh, on the way off, you know, away from City if you know someone had the money to, to buy them. Uh, it's just interesting. Okay. Well, uh, that was uh, that was your first half, uh, two zero, um, and um, I guess probably Colin could have predicted that that would have ended up uh, a, a, a much bigger uh, scoreline. But it, it took really until the the sixty fourth minute, I think, um, until we got the third. Uh, Colin, that yeah. was Laporte, another player that apparently. Um, is for sale, but in my in my honest opinion, there's not a team in Europe who can afford uh, to to buy Laporte. No, um, I would like to keep him because I'd rather he played over Nathan Nathan Ake. And I've got no problem with Nathan Ake. I think he's a perfectly decent player. Um, but Laporte's on a different level. I think um, the the question is, you know, is our front is our sorry is our uh, centre-back pairing going to be Diaz and Stones? Is it going to be Diaz on the port or is it going to be Stones on the port? Now, 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 now Diaz... If, if I could just interrupt you, um, uh, Pep, uh, Pep actually said after the game that Laporte, as a central defender, has got the best uh, left-sided passing range of anyone in the world. Now, what would you say about that? Is that another example of Pep hyperbole? Okay. It possibly is, yeah, but Laporte's a good player. Um, and the thing is, I think he joined us, what, January 2018, didn't he, on a five-and-a-half-year yeah. contract? So that contract is therefore up on uh, January 24th. But, but Colin, why, why, would, why would he be bigging um, him up in that fashion? Well, that's, that's what Pep does, isn't it? I mean, If they're planning to sell him. I, I don't know. I mean, you know, with players, maybe they want to go. Bernardo seems to want to go. Um, does Laporte want to go? I'm not sure. You know, is his nose out of joint because uh, John Stones has come back, um, you know, to, to claim that second centre-back spot that he thought was his? I don't know. I, I, I would I'd rather sell Nathan Ake than, than uh, Laporte. He's a class player. You know, any, any club would be, uh, he'd be an asset to any top club, wouldn't he? Yeah, but, I think Laporte was on a six-year contract, Colin, when he came. Ray, Ray, is Laporte actually a better player than John Stones? No. Um, well, not last season. Uh, look, uh, apparently you're in the minority, Ray. I don't care. You know, I, did, I don't mind being in the minority as long as I'm right. Um, <laughs> look, they're both look, they're both excellent, great quality uh, centre backs. But, but, but on the evidence of my States. eyes from last season, John Stones was more consistent. He made fewer errors. In, in that partnership, in that partnership, Ray. But in the partnership, you, Diaz, it worked really you, well. Look, you, I think... You can't argue to me that, that John Stones is a better player than, than Laporte. I'm not. I think, the, let's, let's say they're both high-level players. But last season, I repeat, John Stones made fewer, mis- I think, fewer mistakes in the big games especially early in the season. Well, well, so he, he actually cemented his place. And when Laporte played, he made mistakes. I, I still, one that sticks in my mind was Laporte played in the, I think it was a Carabao Cup quarterfinal against Arsenal. And I remember a, a cross came in and he was on the wrong side of Lacazette. I think it was Lacazette scored it with a header. Laporte was just nowhere near him, really. He was on the wrong side. Um and it was just a basic error, you know. So right. Laporte still has that in him. Stones used to, and I think towards the end of the season, Stones made a couple of mistakes as well. But he, Stones went through a, a, several games, many games where he didn't put a foot wrong. And he um, is one of the, he is the best, in my opinion, the best ball-carrying centre we've got. I, I, I'm, I'm going to have to bring in Colin here. I, I'm going to say that um, as... As true as that is, as a ball-carrying um, central defender, uh, John Stones is. But, um, uh, Colin, I don't know if I can get you on board as an ally here, but um, uh, Laporte is the kind of violent thug that I want as a, as a, uh, as, as a central defender. 
No, I think um, Laporte lost his copy, but Ray picked an example where Laporte had a poor game. I remember a game against Spurs at the Etihad uh, when he was all over the place. And yeah. you thought, um, I was heavily critical of him after that game. And, and Stone, John Stones came back into the side and John Stones was undroppable. Um, but, but with Laporte and Stone, we know both of them can be prone to mistakes. Now, John Stones has made fewer of them last season. But, you know, uh, but they're both good players. You know, when they're on form, both good players. Uh, and we started this. Uh, I mean, Laporte actually, I think, won, did he win the header that, that got that ball, um, that, that moved that ball? Then he swiveled on it. And, and he, despite what Pep says about Laporte on his left foot, it was his right foot that he rifled the ball home. Yeah. Just over six yards. Ray, Ray is, 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 it, is it really fair to, to try to decide uh, which one of them is better, or is it? To be honest, are, Mike, are, are we talking about combinations? Look, to be honest, when, when when you look at it, I think you say the combination of Diaz and Stones was better than Diaz and Laporte. Um, and and one thing that where Laporte certainly has blotted his copybook is by throwing his toys out of the pram when he couldn't get in the team, you know. And then when he gets there, he makes the mistakes. So. You know the, the 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 mere fact that look at look at the difference between what John Stones did last summer, okay? John Stones was offered out by City. It looked like he was going to go. Uh, he was offered to Spurs on a loan with uh, an agreed fee of twenty million pounds at the end of the season, and John Stones turned it down. He turned down that move where I think it would have guaranteed him uh, um, playing time at Spurs. He turned it down. Okay, the reasons are said to be that he, he wants he want you know stay near his family up north, but he's he knuckled down and fought for his place and he got it and he made you know retained it for most of the season. Whereas Laporte, he's had a tough season where he's he's not been first choice. Rather than stay and fight for his position, he wants off. And I I I, I can guarantee if Laporte had been number one choice with Diaz last season, Laporte wouldn't have been looking for a move this summer. He's looking for a move because he wants to play. Well, um, I'm not sure that he's actually... Uh, the papers say uh, that well, he's looking for, for a move. But let me let me ask this point to uh, Colin Savage because um, it was very odd that um, during his uh, earlier days, he wasn't fancied at all by Didier Deschamps, the, the French manager. Now, is that just because Deschamps is a prick or is it because that... Laporte is a prick and they just don't get along. I don't know, uh, to be honest. Um, Laporte, uh, you could look at some of Laporte's performances for us and say, I could understand why he's not selecting. Um, but I, I think there was some, there was clearly some personal issue there. I, 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 hard to say, isn't it? I don't know. I think it, a, a lot of people would fall on the line of Didier Deschamps. Um, what, what would you say, Ray? Um, why, why do you think that Deschamps didn't fancy Laporte uh, for... Uh, well, he was clearly better than the... the yeah, but look, whatever, the thing is, whatever the issue was, he, Deschamps did pick Laporte in a squad and Laporte got injured. Um, and uh, that was his chance gone. And I just think he's got to the stage where other people have overtaken him. He can't get back in that squad. And so he's just decided, you know, and even if he does get in the squad, he's not going to be a first choice. You know, if he gets back in, if he gets back into the uh, French squad, he's going to be fourth choice or whatever. Well, he, can, you know, he, he, can't, he can't do that now because he plays for Spain. Yeah, but I'm just saying, after he got injured, you know, and he, he lost his opportunity to play for, for, uh, for France, when he was fit again, if he got back in the squad, he's still going to be, and he's 26, 27 years old, he would have been fourth choice centre-back. I mean, um, City would City would be mugs to sell him, wouldn't they? Because um, sooner or later, uh, as as soon as morning follows uh, evening, um, there will be a drop uh, in the performances of John Stones. You 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 just know it, don't you? That's that for Sorry, what was the question? Uh, 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 what I'm saying is, as as soon as night follows day, there will be a dip in the performances of John Stones, where well, you're going to be a dip in the performance of Ruben Diaz. And, well, and you're, Paul will take well, probably less so. Well, but I mean, you just don't know. Ruben Diaz did, did not have a good end to the season. 
I think, and I don't think he had a good Euros. Uh, really? The thing is, Laporte, I don't think he should have thrown his toys out of the pram this summer. Maybe next summer. If he was, strugg- if he was struggling to get in, into the team and Stones and Diaz were playing all the big games, um, then yes, maybe next summer after two seasons of struggling. Well, I, I, sorry to interrupt it one more time, but did, did um, he really throw his toys out of the pram? That that seemed to be like a a, a piece of newspaper garbage to me. I didn't no. see anything. Well, Pep said. Pep I didn't see any, said, any evidence of that at all. Pep said. Pep said in uh, a press conference. He actually said, you know, something about players uh, who think they deserve to be playing because of what they've done in the past. It's what they do in training. I, I, and you you think that means that means Laporte? Well, tell me any other player who wasn't playing at that time, um, who relied on what they'd done in the past. Okay, Kate, I, I could give playing, you a few... Sterling was playing, uh, Mahrez okay, was playing. Sterling, uh, Cancelo, um, you, All the top players were playing. All the top players were playing. So the one player that, that sticks in my mind that wasn't playing and was relying on things he'd done in the past and had... Uh, and I think you could certainly envisage, envisage him having a bad attitude and a you know bad face is Emerit Laporte. You know, um, Walker was playing enough um, and Walker got back into the team after Cancelo had a good couple of months. The main player certainly was uh, Emerit Laporte and, um, yeah, I, I don't believe it was anybody else. Uh, guys, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to, like, stand up for Laporte here. I, I, I don't see any evidence at all that well, Pep, what, what Mike, Mike, okay. You don't see the evidence. Pep said so. What do you no, need? Pep, do you need Pep to say... Do you actually need Pep to come out and say Emery Laporte has been a sourpuss? Put, did he actually say out. that? Did he actually say that? He didn't say it. He didn't mention him. You tell me any other player then, Mike. So I'll go, I'll go through the team if you want. It wasn't Edison, wasn't Walker, wasn't Cancelo, wasn't Stones, wasn't Diaz. Aki was injured. What was, certainly wasn't Mendy because Mendy doesn't, uh, you know, he's been injured for so long. Wasn't Zinchenko. Gundogan was playing. KDB was playing or he was injured. Bernardo was playing Lords. Uh, Mares was playing. Torres was getting game time. Um, Sterling was playing. Gabby J was playing a reasonable enough, uh, a, a number of games. Pretty much everybody was getting so, rotated and playing, except for Merit Laporte. You, you could make a good argument for Cancelo, though. This is at a time when Cancelo played for. Uh, probably two solid months, and Walker was on the back burner. Um, it was it was Laporte, Mike. Take it from me. Really? Okay. Colin, do you agree with that? Uh, to be honest, you know, I don't really, I don't really care. But all I care is about players putting in the performances that we expect from them. Uh, but we do know that Pep doesn't, uh, Pep doesn't like players who don't want to be here. So. Um, I don't so, know. You know, if, if Laporte did throw his pro- toys out the pram, um, then he did. He did mention three or four players. Now, this was actually Pep's own words: three or four players who wants to go. And I would have said, I would have, I would have agreed with Ray. I would have said that's probably Laporte, probably Cancelo, possibly Gabriel Jesus, and um, whoever the Fourth player was I don't know, but and Daniel Ray, Silva. Uh, Ray, is that are those the four players that you would have thought? That's what I would have thought. Bernardo Silva was the one everybody knows. Pep, he's kind of said it uh, as much now. Uh, Bernardo, Cancelo, Laporte, and maybe Gabby J. Um, I don't see anybody else being unhappy. You know, talk of Sterling being unhappy is a bit crazy when he's re- when negotiating a new contract. I find that hard to believe. Um, I think everybody else is happy enough. You know, it's not, certainly not KDB. There's no one else there that springs to mind. Mendy ain't going anywhere. He's got two years left on a contract that no one is going to match anywhere. Um, Scott Carson, maybe. Sorry? No, Scott, Scott, <laughs> Scott Carson had, uh, signed a new contract, Mike. The only place, even China, even clubs in China wouldn't match Mendy's contract. Um, so Mendy's going nowhere. It, it was those four places are the ones that spring to mind. All right, guys. So, um, uh, that was the situation um, uh, at, at halftime. It was 2-0. And then we got um, uh, Raheem Sterling uh, on the 71st minute. Now, that was a moment, Ray, when my um, uh, 
uh, feed uh, went down and I didn't see it until afterwards. Can you tell us a little bit about that one? About the goal, Raheem Sterling's... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Goal. It was Gabriel Jesus with another assist. So the ball was played inside the defender. Uh, Gabriel Jesus made hay. He got there, if I remember correctly, and put another good cross in to the far post and um, it beat everybody. And Sterling come in and said, thank you very, very much. Um, so it's, it's, it was, you know, look, the game had been over long before that. I mean, in the first half, City were walking around at 2-0. And uh, I was just thinking, just get that third goal and really just put the game to bed. And that that was the Laporte one. So, yeah, 70th minute, Sterling scores. And it, it, it was, you know, um, I think the worry was for uh, Norwich that they could let six or seven in again. But, you know, it's good to see Sterling on the score. She, he's not, he didn't score, he hasn't scored too many goals lately. Was it two and 18 or something? So it's good to see him happy again. Um, scoring goals. Well, um, uh, Colin, uh, it was about uh, we w- we weren't exactly done because uh, ten minutes later, Ray's favourite player, uh, Riyad Mahrez, came on and uh, made it uh, five. Um, can you describe that one a little bit for us? Oh, that was a beaut, wasn't it? Um, again, Norwich showed no fight throughout the game, and, and you, all right, you know, uh, getting beat. 3-0 than 5-0 by Liverpool and Manchester City isn't going to define Norwich's season. But as said earlier, you expect a little bit of fight from the promoted clubs uh, and there was none whatsoever. How they came up from the championship, I've no idea. But obviously they did. So um, the final goal was uh, an absolutely brilliant pass from uh, Ruben Diaz, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, Riyad Mahrez made a forward run. Diaz saw him, picked him out. Mahrez was onside. Uh, or, uh, and the Norwich defence stood still and watched him. Uh, and Mahrez was just stood in front of Tim Krull. And uh, Mahrez is not likely to miss a chance like that. Mm-hmm. While the um, Norwich defence appealed for an offside that was never going to be given. Well, uh, well, Ray, are you going to give credit where credit's due for the Algerian prince? That was a great pass by Diaz, wasn't it? Uh, so <laughs> did, you, did, you, did you hear that, guys? Uh, <laughs> there's, there's been lining Ray up saying... It was a great run, a great run by Maris, darting him from a defender who was too slow, was too static, was ball watching. Now City passed it around. It was a great pass by Diaz. It was a great spot. He hit it at the right time, at the right pace. Maris, uh, as Maris generally does, controls it impeccably. And it was just straightforward to slip it round Tim Krull. Um, can't blame the goalkeeper. It was a nice, nice goal. Um, you know, nicely constructed goal and nicely taken goal. It was indeed, guys. And I, I think that we can honestly lay claim to the one player in the Premier League who's got the best first touch um, in the league. And that is no, absolutely no doubt, Riyad Mahrez. There's nobody that controls a ball first time like him. And there it was, 5-0. Uh, that's what uh, we were hoping for. And uh, guys, um, j- j- how do you? Um, let's go to Ray. How do you um, see this result in terms of the 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 sort of the panoply of other results uh, that we uh, had uh, this week? Uh, weekend we obviously we got two nil Liverpool against Burnley. Uh, that was uh, hilarious because apparently um, Klopp was um, accusing. Uh, Burnley uh, Ray of um, all in wrestlers. The plightest thing I can say is uh, I don't listen to Klopp. He, he, he can get struck. <laughs> can you can you believe that he's actually calling the Burnley players as wrestlers? He's always and got he... an excuse. He's always whinging. Um, you know, if it's not the wind, I mean, he's got more wind um, than than you get in the Pennines. He's, he's just always got a whinge. He's always got a whinge on. He, last week. Before the season started, he was talking about money and City can go out and buy who they want and Chelsea and blah, blah, blah. There's no limits to what they can spend. Look, he's he's either, I've said it before, he's either disingenuous, he's a big fat liar, um, or he, he knows the score, uh, the score, but he's getting his excuses in and he's just trying to stir, stir the pot. Uh, or he's just so thick that he doesn't know what's going on and he thinks he's talking sense. Take your pick, but he's, he's not an honest... Person and he's 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 perfectly suited for those Liverpool fans. 
Well, let's go on to Colin Savage because there were a few other results that uh, he might have some comments on. So obviously Aston Villa 2, Newcastle 0. There was a, a, a zip zip 0 0 between Palace and uh, Brentford. That's Patrick Vieira's uh, Palace and uh, Brentford. Uh, a 2 2 game uh, between uh, Leeds and Everton. And a 2 0 win for Brighton against Watford. Any one of those, Colin, that stimulate your interest in any way? Uh, I mean, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing the Everton Leeds one on match of the day. Um, it, it, it's an interesting one because obviously a lot of Everton fans are upset that Rafa Benitez was appointed as manager. Um, He's a damn good manager. I think, I think Rafa did a great job for them because Ancelotti didn't seem to do a lot. Um, and they've got a result at Leeds, and, and they won at home against Newcastle. So I was going to ask this to Ray. Ray, um, the, uh, the, I, I'm confused by that, um, the Everton um, response to their new manager, sure. because he's a damn good uh, title-winning manager, isn't he? The thing is, um, he's an ex-Liverpool manager. That grates with them. I don't think he's, personally, it's a matter of opinions. I don't think he's going to do a fantastic job with Everton. He might do, but I, I, I just don't see it. I saw I what mean, he did at Newcastle. He's, he's won enough. I, I, but yeah, but that's in the past. I saw what he did at Newcastle, and, and all he was doing was, it was horrible football. And Steve Bruce has come along and done better, you know, than Rafa Benitez. So you think, well, you know, what was... Rafa doing and this all their um, main striker. So um, I don't know. I mean, I, I don't think he's going to do as well as as, as, all, as as some people think. I think he missed one result. That was the Aston Villa one, where Danny Ings scored apparently an, an incredible. No, I mentioned that. It was a two-nil yeah, Villa Newcastle. Yeah, a, 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 a bicycle kick. So he's got two goals in two games. So you know, if if we talk about Kane, I think Danny Ings might get a mention because he was available. Um, this Are summer. you seriously saying we should have bought Danny Ings? What I'm saying is, um, where we sh- could and should, in my opinion, have bought somebody who wasn't expensive as a backup in case the first choice, Harry Kane, we didn't get him. I would rather go into the season with, and I'll give you two names, Pat Sendaka, who went to uh, Leicester for about 20 million euros. Or Danny Ings, who went to Aston Villa. Now, Danny Ings is his late 20s, but he scores goals. He's done well at Southampton over the last couple of seasons. Uh, a little bit injured last season, but he's got some good numbers. Um, he scores goals and he'll work hard. Passing Dakar, um, early 20s, played with Haaland at uh, RB Salzburg uh, for a while. You never know, you know, if we get Haaland, we could, we could have paired them up again next season. Um, but what I wanted... I'm now talking about Kane, but what I wanted was to have somebody as a contingency, as a backup plan, and to say, right, when we negotiate with uh, Mr. Levy, we're we're negotiating from a position where we've got no striker, if truth be told, no proper out-and-out striker who has some pedigree and some quality and we know we'll do the business. We haven't got one, and we're fiddling around with a false nine and different players up top, you know, whether we put... um, Ferran Torres has been up there, or Raheem Sterling, or whoever we put down the middle. If we had somebody else, like Danny Ings and Dakka, we're not as vulnerable to Daniel Levy saying, well, I want some more money. I know you've got nobody, so I'm going to ask for some more money. And you know, we would have somebody, and we, it could be that we say, right, you know, we'll put, uh, we've got, for argument's sake, we've got Danny Ings, we paid 20 million quid for him. He's, um, he's going to start the season for us. If we don't get Kane, Danny Ings is actually a pretty decent well, backup. That, that, that's why people were saying that City were going to um, hand over eighty million for Vlaovic. I don't believe that. I, I don't believe we're seriously interested in Vlaovic because he's he's come out of nowhere. It, you know, um, it, maybe we're looking at Vlaovic as an alternative to Kane now because if, if that doesn't go, you know, if we can't get Harry Kane. But as I said, I have no problems getting Danny Ings or Pat Sendak or someone like people, you know, players like that. So that Daniel Levy can't play as, as easily as he can play as right now. You know, the Paul game against Spurs last week played right into um, Daniel Levy's hands because, you know, he knows we're even more desperate to get Harry Kane. And if we'd beaten Spurs comfortably, hands down, 3-0, then I think, the, you know, it's more in our favour 
than, than Daniel Levy's, but he knows we're desperate for, for somebody. We've got no backup plan. The Vlavic thing might have been to call Spurs' bluff to say, look, we have got an alternative plan. We're just going to leave you with uh, a, a, an unhappy player, a player who wants out, a player who you're paying a lot of money to who might not perform as you know as, as, as well as you'd like this season. And at 29 next summer, won't hold the same uh, transfer fee you know that he he could command this uh, well, summer. So maybe it's just a red herring, you know. As I said, to call Spurs' bluff. Let me let me go over to Colin. Colin, um, all things considered, we're not going to get Harry Kane, are we? I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, there was a stupid tweet by Jack Pickbrook. I know. <laughs> yeah. I know Jack is a City fan. We used to watch games together when uh, when I was down in London. Um, he's a bright lad. He went to. Um, I remember it was Oxford or Cambridge. I think it was Oxford. So it's not stupid. But but he's put, uh, and a few people have taken this line, that, that Manchester City are not showing respect to Harry Kane by not paying what Daniel Levy is asking for. Now, um, I, I once went into an Egyptian market. Um, I, I, and the thing I was told was that the, the, the vendor will ask for a lot more than, than the goods are worth. Uh, and basically, you'll end up paying about a third, 30% of, of what the initial offer is. Uh, and that's negotiation. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, we're not used to it, of course, in the UK. We, we go and we see a price, we pay a price. Uh, but but the, the tour guide said, you know, you've got to become more comfortable with the concept of walking away if you're not happy. Because the vendor won't sell you the goods you're trying to buy unless he's happy with the price. And you shouldn't be buying them unless... You're happy with the price. And this concept of uh, what I call there's an absolute value attached to Harry Kane that only Spurs can determine is, of course, nonsense because we have a value that we attach to Harry Kane. And that might be something to do with the cash we've got available and what's in the accounts and our financial fair play position. So Daniel Levy may have a value. We may have a value. And you know, in a business negotiation, you meet somewhere in the middle. But the, the problem with Daniel Levy's style of negotiating is, you know, he might manage to squeeze every last penny out, out of us, but it'll be done at the last minute. So he'll be rushing around. And we've seen this before. He'll be rushing around at the last minute with this cash in his pocket, trying to get a replacement for Harry Kane. When everyone knows he's got this cash in his pocket and everyone knows it's two days before the transfer window ends. And um, it, it doesn't seem very businesslike to me. So I, I, I still think there's a deal to be done over Kane. Um, obviously quite a lot of brinkmanship in this but Daniel Levy is, is up to his old tricks uh, but uh, I don't think those old tricks do him any favour because they they uh, restrict they constrain his ability to go into the market and get a bargain But Ray, there, there's no one to sell uh, Kane to because um, Chelsea have got their man now Yeah, yeah, yeah uh, it's, it's all, Look, Kane wants to come to City City want Kane uh, I agree with Colin. It's not up to City. You know, I think. Look, have City made a mistake? I think so. Uh, or I wouldn't say made a mistake. Maybe they've been too easily led by Kane's people. The same way last summer we thought Messi was in the bag, um, and that never came to fruition. And I think this summer, you know, we've made a similar mistake where we believe, you know, that there's a there's a agree, an agreement between Kane and Levy. Uh, Kane's people certainly believe that uh, that there's a certain price, and we think we put in enough money to trigger that certain price. But you know, in these unwritten gentlemen's agreements, sorry, they're not worth the paper they're not written on. Um, they they're valueless in 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 today's business age. You know, and does anybody honestly think Daniel Levy would honour a gentleman's agreement? I'm not saying he's not a gentleman, but I don't think, you know, he's a hard-nosed, wants to be or appears to be, or probably is a hard-nosed businessman. Um, so, you know, he can see an opportunity to get a bit more out of it. I think the onus actually is on Harry Kane um, mm -hmm. to actually do something, because if it's his if it's his people who have said that um, this is the, the price and uh, and everything else, then... It's, maybe it's up to Harry Kane to say I want to, uh, to make that transfer request, which Levy, Levy, I think is pushing Harry. He want see Daniel Levy wants Harry Kane to be the um, the bad guy, yeah, in this situation. He wants to be the good one, and it's like you know FIFA and UEFA arguing about who's 
who's the worst. But Levy wants everybody, the, the fans, to to be hating on Harry Kane and not Daniel Levy, uh, and you know they're hoping. So he's hoping to do this. And I, I said ages ago, I said it ages ago. If a deal's going to happen, I still think it's better than fifty-fifty for a deal to happen. It's not going to be before the game against um, Spurs. That's never. Daniel Levy would never uh, allow that. And I said it's more than likely to be in the last 10 days of the window after the Norwich game, possibly before the Arsenal game, or possibly after the Arsenal game. Daniel Levy will leave it as late as possible, as Colin has said, to squeeze every single penny he thinks he can get out of this deal. Um, and then, you know, in the last few days, um, go out and buy the players he wants. I mean, there's, a, there's been a lot of stories recently about Spurs putting bids in for players. Uh, are they all made up? I don't know, but I, I think it's—I still think it's better than fifty-fifty that um, Harry Kane is a City player at the end of the transfer window. But that does it surprise you that um, Harry Kane and, it, and his people haven't put in a transfer request yet? They—they they do seem to have been a bit amateurish about the whole thing. Yeah, you know, if you want to transfer, put in a transfer request. Simple as that. Hmm. Well, I tell you what, guys. Um, there are two more things I want to do before we finish uh, this pod off. The first thing I don't think is going to uh, take um, a long time, and so I think I'm going to ask Ray to do this bit, and I'm going to do. Uh, I'm going to ask Colin to do the second bit. Um, uh, Ray, our first game of the season, obviously a one nil loss against uh, Tottenham. Um, how much did that surprise you? And I'm thinking it didn't surprise you that much. Well, uh, I, would, I do prediction league with some friends, and I predicted one nil to Spurs. Um, you know, I, I said the best I thought we could hope for, and the, what I wanted was a draw. I thought the first three games, if we can get a walk away with seven points, a draw, <laughs> a win against Norwich, a win against uh, the three-point team that is Arsenal, generally for us, um, then I'd, I'd have been happy. I'd have been happy to take a draw at Spurs because I think. You know, we knew we were going in undercooked, underprepared, injuries again. Obviously, no Phil Ford and uh, KDB wasn't fit to start. And to be honest, uh, according to Pep, you know, he'd had his first uh, session of training on Friday with the lads and he did even do a full session. So, um, you know, I was concerned before the game. I, I was concerned that we'd play too many what I call second stringers, um, players who can look good when they're surrounded by top quality. But when you put four or five of them together, it messes up our team. We saw it last season in games against Leeds, Chelsea, Chelsea again, uh, game against, was it Brighton we lost? There's quite a few games, uh, even Newcastle where we beat them, but we looked a bit uh, shambolic at times. So when you put too many of these plays together, um, you know, it doesn't work. We, 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 we lack sometimes creativity, fluidity. We, we can be a bit slow. Um, you know, in, in thought and process. And so, yeah, it didn't surprise me. Um, we started well. We definitely had a good 10, 15, 20 minutes. But as soon as Spurs got in the game, you know, we, we were huffing and puffing. We, we lacked imagination. You know, when, when um, you know, when you got, you know, I wasn't comfortable with having like Mendy and Ake um, on the pitch together. A lot of the, you know, opportunities were coming down that side of the pitch. Uh, and even when we changed Mendy, we brought Zinchenko on. Zinchenko was spaffing crosses from 30, 40 yards down the pitch. I mean, it's a total waste of time. It, as I said, we, we, we lacked any imagination and intelligence. And, and just that, you know, I mentioned that Zinchenko thing. We had on the pitch at that time, KDB had come on and actually made a difference. He looked really good. And we had uh, Jack Grealish um, hugging the touchdown. So I'd, why... Zinchenko needs to be crossing it from 40 yards out. I have no idea when you've got these two players nearby. It's it just like we, we had no clue what we were doing. Yeah. Well, um, uh, thank you very much for that, Ray. Um, uh, the final thing that I need to do, guys, um, uh, for this podcast is that um, I've had some complaints uh, on the Bolt from the Blue podcast. Um, the first complaint is that we never finished uh, our uh, three-part series on the Francis Lee years. And what I can uh, assure my uh, listeners is I will get that done. Um, 
in the next two or three weeks, I will get called to finish that off. We, we've got an international break and we've got a bank holiday, so let's get that done. We will absolutely get that done. But what what I did offer as a, a sop to that was um, they said, you guys, you've done all of these uh, history pods. You've never talked about 1999. And I was thinking, OK, so um, what I can do for you is while you're waiting for part three of the Francis Lee years, what I could do is I could ask Colin to give us his reminiscences about that. Now, to be fair, Colin was in New York at the time, but um, he is certainly, he has been prepared. He has been thinking about it. and He will tell you his opinions about that particular game. So, Colin, take it away, and uh, that's how we'll, how we'll finish off. Yeah, well, uh, as uh, Mike, as you said, I um, we actually undertaken a family trip to New York uh, at that time. It was our first trip over that way, and we'd gone there because my, well, my now ex-wife, who wasn't my ex-wife at the time, when she was younger, she'd had a pen friend uh, in New York, and they'd written to each other for a few years, and uh, though they lost touch. Uh, sometime in the late 60s, I think. Anyway, uh, fast forward to 19, late 90s, and they got back in touch again. So um, Ellen, the, the New York girl, came over here for a few days, and we all got on fine. Uh, so we arranged to go over there. Obviously, you know, going to New York is a bit more exciting than coming to Manchester. So um, we, we flew out on the Saturday, and the game was on the Sunday. Now, of course, at Christmas time, when we booked this trip, no one expected City to um, be in the playoffs uh, because we were down in the lower half of League One. So it was a bit of a, you know, we, we managed to creep into the playoffs. We beat Wigan in the semi-final. Um, and then we, we flew out to New York on the Saturday. The game was on the Sunday. Now, on that Sunday, Ellen had her, her parents, they got some other members of her family, came round to her house for Sunday brunch. And of course, New York's five hours behind UK time. And um, so, because we had to be polite for a while, then looking at my watch and working forward five hours, I'm thinking, oh, it's about should be about 15 minutes to go in the game now. And I said, look, um, there's a big game going on back in back in England. My team's involved in. Do, do you mind if I go on the internet and and see uh, how it's going? So so she fine logged me on to uh, AOL, I think it was, and we thought we might get some BBC World Service. I remember it's 1999, so. It's it's you know the early days of the internet. So, uh, certainly weren't streaming it on TV. Uh, certainly not the League One playoff final. It, it might get on these days, but looking for perhaps the BBC World Service commentary, couldn't find one. So we ended up with the BBC um, live tech service where they you know put on major updates. Uh, and literally as we got that, uh, we saw it was two nil. Uh, and the next update was Kevin Horlock's goal. So two one. So you're thinking how? And we don't know. We can't see the game. We've no idea how long there is to go. And then, of course, the news came through, what, uh, 30 seconds into, uh, you know, well, 30 seconds before the end of injury time or 30 seconds into injury time that uh, we'd equalised. And you knew once we'd equalised, we would go on to win it. Uh, and, and my son and I just went berserk. We're, we're dancing around the room, hugging each other. And, mm -hmm. and Alan's father, who was a smart guy, he was a lawyer, he, he saw us and he said, um, hey, have you guys just won the Super Bowl or something? So we explained to him the concept, of course, the concept of a league with promotion and relegation is foreign to American sport. So we explained to him the concept of the, you know, the four professional leagues, promotion, relegation, the playoffs. And, and to be fair, he grasped it very quickly. So, so he thought about it. He said, so, so what you're telling me is you guys have just come third in the third league, right? Yep, that just about <laughs> sums it up. And, and he said, Geez, what would you be like if you really want something? Uh, so that was um, that was my New York story, uh, my playoff you, story. You, you did. I, you you mentioned Kevin Horlock, who for young city players, um, young city supporters uh, probably uh, don't realise he actually got booked for walking aggressively at, at the referee. Do you remember yeah. that one? Paul? I I can't remember. I can't remember what game it was. Was it a game against Bournemouth? I can't remember. Or but, the, the first time I'd ever heard of someone getting booked for walking aggressive walking, yeah, aggressive walking. Uh, now, now, now let's go over to Ray and and just ask Ray for 
his memories of that. I mean, that was a long time ago. Ray, you and I were 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 back in our prime in those days. Um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. I'm still in the prime, man. Still in the prime. Well, we're talking about 1999. What? I I would have been 30, maybe. Um, so anyway, what were you doing at the time, and what were you up to? I'd have been in uh, L- London. I was. Um, I'm trying to remember. I can't actually remember. I was probably in London because I was working down down in London. Um, I was trying to think because I used to play a lot of football. I used to play a lot of football at the weekends. Um, had so... you lost interest by that? Uh, Sorry, time? had you lost interest by that time, Ray? You no, still... I lost interest. I mean, when I used to, when I lived in London, I used to go. Um, I first went down in the early nineties, and I went in nineteen ninety. Uh, lived near London and then in London, and I used to go to as um, you know when it, as many away games as possible uh, around London. It was hard to get up to Manchester, uh, especially when I was playing football. Are you telling us you used to go to those games down in the third division? Not not the third division in London because I think the job I had I had a lot of exams. I was doing uh, my tax exams and um, they were blooming hard, and I spent a lot of time um, studying for them basically. Um, all, all summer, uh, so it's it's a real problem. Um, there was not much spare time, and um, if you are using all your a lot of your holidays to study, that's basically what what you are. So you're you're telling, you're telling us that you followed it on CFAX, <laughs> same as Colin. I would have followed it, same as Colin, or or hearing reports on whatever the the, the uh, BBC program was, or like Grandstand, or whatever. If it was still going in in ninety nine, whatever it was, that's probably how I uh, I followed it as well. You know, and at two 0 down, you're thinking, <laughs> is there much left to follow? But um, uh, we came back. I mean, I I followed things like I remember following the full members cup on um, uh, on 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 TV as well when we were abs- we were getting was it we were getting hammered was it five one five four I think yeah we came back to lose five four so that those were the days when you you know. You, you watch things like CFAX and you hear stories of people watching CFAX for 90 minutes, watching their team and uh, just get a nil-nil and then realising at the end of the game that they pressed hold <laughs> on CFAX. I mean, guys, got to go, if, you, if you're a bit too young, you're going to go on, uh, go on Wikipedia and see what CFAX yeah, guys, was. You're, you're going to have to go on Wiki to look at CFAX. Yeah. But yeah, so those were the days when people would uh, press hold by mistake, and so they 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 would actually watch a screen updating yeah. or not updating, and that's it. And if there was no updates, there was you know there was not like a text commentary of a game. It was just the, a score, and if you know anything happened, then it would update. And some people would watch that for ninety minutes, hoping that their team did the business. So I know, did. <laughs> that, that was um, that was the dark ages, wasn't it? It was. It really was. But Ray, what we really want to know is, um, do you have the shirt? I don't have that shirt. I don't. I, I don't want to buy the uh, the retro, you know, modern version of that shirt. I don't want to. You know, I have looked recently um, to see if I can get uh, a, an authentic shirt from that that um, that time. They're blooming expensive. <laughs> All you know, a lot of the old shirts uh, from the nineties, very, very expensive indeed. You know, you what some of them well into three figures. And I, I promise you guys, they they will not fit you. Um, so, yeah, I, I've got a few of them myself. And listen, uh, all the best you can do with them is frame them and put them on your wall because they're not going to fit. It doesn't matter who is the biggest player in the Man City team. I, I think I, I, I remember getting one. Um, from uh, that particular uh, team, and um, who um, remind me who who was our biggest defender? Cole at that time, the aggressive one. Um, and you know which one are we talking about? Um, the nineteen ninety nine team. He wasn't actually in the team. He was on the bench at the time. I think. Who who am I talking about? Um, Howard's. Um, sorry. Uh, Who's whose favorite player am I talking about? I'm talking about um, uh, a lot of uh, you, you, the the most aggressive, violent Man City player. Oh, Danny! It sounds like Danny Tiato. No, not Danny no, Tiato. No, no. Ben Andy Thatcher Morrison. was a violent one, but that was a bit later. No, 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 not Ben Thatcher either. Not Andy I'm Morrison. T- 
Andy Morrison. Yeah, I'm talking yeah, about Walter's favourite player. Yeah. player. And um, I got that shirt. And even at that, I mean, he was a big guy. But even that wouldn't fit you. He, it doesn't matter how uh, svelte you think you are now in your in your 40s or, or, or older. But, uh, yeah, just, just a little warning, guys, about buying those um, retro shirts. Uh, the, the only place they have uh, for you is on your wall. <laughs> oh, there's a shirt on sale on eBay. I'll tell you, that uh, um, actual shirt made by Kappa with a brother, the um, sponsorship of the yellow and black, 149 quid. Oh, my god! But it's extra large. Oh, my gosh. I actually bought, um, I bought a Samir, Samir Nasri shirt um, from his time at Man City. It wouldn't even fit my sister. So um, <laughs> the, it, it shows you, you know, how, you know, how athletic these people were at the time. But... Um, Guys, listen, I, I hope that amused you. It, it certainly amused us um, as we went back in a, a, a trip down memory lane. But in, um, in answer to your questions, I absolutely promise you that uh, the third part of the Francis Lee years, which we have unfinished, uh, we will do it. Because um, everyone was um, uh, saying, you, you did um, the 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 previous um, history uh, pod where you did uh, three episodes of Peter Swales and the uh, people loved that and they they were really excited by that and they said why did you stop why did you stop after two episodes of uh, Francis Lee and um, I think certain people had said well um, Francis Lee is still alive I mean why don't you try to get him on for that and I think we did. Uh, we did consider that for a while, and we may do. We may, we may. I, I did. I did meet Francis. I did ask him about this. I met him. I met him in February a couple of years ago uh, oh. after a game. He was, um, uh, let's say, very well oiled that night. Um, mm-hmm. he, he'd had a good. He'd had a good good evening, uh, and he 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 was up for it. He, I mean, you know, maybe it was the drink talking, but he's, he's, he said, "Yeah, write to me after the winter's over because I'm going on holiday." For a, he's going away in, uh, for some um, warm weather uh, training, I suspect, um, sunnier climbs. And, uh, but unfortunately, um, couldn't get hold of him after that. And then COVID hit and haven't seen him since. So well, I, t- I tell you what, guys, we'll, we'll try to do that. We'll, we'll try to, because I think it's only fair. I think Colin suggested that um, the first time, when we did the first two episodes, we, it was more or less historical. And I think Colin was the first one to say, well, uh, come on, guys. I mean, if you're going to do this, um, you might uh, uh, you might as well at least have uh, the subject's views on what what you have presented. So we'll try to get Francis oiled enough to do um, the the third part. If he won't, we'll we'll just finish it off and uh, we'll we'll just do it in his in a historical way. I know you've been asking for that, so we will do it. I promise you we will do it. And as uh, Colin mentioned, we've got a few um, vacations and holidays and things like that uh, coming up, uh, and we'll try to do the best that we can. Um, But I think at this particular point, I'll just stop it here and say, any final uh, comments or thoughts from Ray, uh, first of all? Uh, No, just... uh... We've got one more game right? before the window. Let's have a good one. Yep. And uh, Colin, have you got any, any anything else that's on your mind just before uh, we finish up? You know, the only funny thing was, coming back from the game today, we were uh, talking about next week. And, and we've actually got a week between games. I'm, I'm not used to that. So, um, yeah, I'm sure Pep can do something with the squad in that week. Well, if you're telling me that you've got... Well, then, 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 then there's something that we can do with Colin for that week. Um, we we can try and do this try and do this part three if we possibly can. But anyway, guys, it's been a lot of fun. Um, we hope that uh, you enjoyed it. Um, we'll be back with you after the next game. Uh, I promise you that that we will. And uh, let's just finish off by uh, thanking the two guys uh, who give up their valuable time to do these uh, free pods. And guys, uh, you know I'm not paying them. 
Um, they don't have. Uh, well, we're not getting paid. Hey, um, that's yeah. <laughs> but you didn't know that already. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, let's thank them both uh, for for coming on. So Ray, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, it's always a pleasure, man. And also, uh, Colin Savage. Yeah, uh, uh, likewise for me. And um, we will get that Francis Lee final part done we, very soon. We will. Uh, just before I finish with you, um, uh, Colin, any King of the Kipak stuff coming up? Any City Matters things that we might want to know about? Um, yeah, I mean, quickly, we had a meeting with um, City on Thursday night at the ground. It's the first one we've had for over 18 months. And um, good turnout from City. Um, the new Chief Operating Officer, Roald de Vries, who came from Nissan, was there. Um, Jason Wilcox was there, who's the, the academy head. Um, had a good chat to, to both of them. Uh, and interestingly, we asked Jason Wilcox, who was the best player he played against or with, with or against? And uh, his answer was Rio Ferdinand. He said he was absolutely brilliant footballer, but Alan Shearer was a close second. So that was an interesting conversation. Uh, and we asked him about who's the next Phil Foden. And, and it was um, uh, 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 Idozi, Sammy Dozy. So um, he, he said, this guy, this guy is good. Yeah, I think I possibly would have been more frightened of um, of uh, Alan Shearer than Rio Ferdinand. But, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think that, uh, yeah, they're entitled to their um, opinions. Um, guys, I think that'll do us uh, for now, for this point. I'm just trying to think, was there one other thing that I wanted to mention? Um, no. I think, that, guys, that'll do it. That'll do it for us. Um, so we'll be back with you very, very shortly. And we'll finish off in uh, the normal way uh, by uh, just thanking Ray and Colin for uh, coming on. And uh, we'll be back with you straight after the next game, uh, if not before. And finish off in the normal way by saying, have one on us, guys. Have a nice, cool, chilled one on us and up those blues. <laughs>